This is the Epilog audio experience. You need to trigger scenes in the writer's head. In order to trigger scenes, you have to show the scene in such a way that the reader can see the scene. Shevlin Sebastian has been a journalist for over 3 decades. He has worked in major publications such as the Hindustan Times, the New Indian Express, the Week and Sports World. Shevlin has published over 4500 feature articles on subjects like history, spirituality, literature, films and sports. His blog Shevlin's World has received over 23 lakh hits. He has also published four novels for children. And in this episode, I will be talking to Shevlin about his latest book. And this is his first true crime non-fiction book. It's called The Stolen Necklace. It is based on a crime that happened in Kerala a few years ago. The Stolen Necklace was published by HarperCollins India and it is one of the best sellers of the year and you should definitely pick it up in case you haven't. It's truly an honor to have somebody as seasoned as yourself Mr. Shevlin to be with us as a guest on our show The Story Vault. So could you share a brief overview of The Stolen Necklace without any spoilers and what inspired you to write it? So basically the story is very simple. VK Tajuddin was a Doha based businessman. who traveled to Kannur in North Kerala for the wedding of his daughter it was a joyous occasion 3 uh, days later after a celebratory dinner when they were returning home and to their shock they found a group of policemen standing outside their house and then when they asked sir what is the reason you are here they said that tajuddin you are a thief you stole a gold necklace he said sir what are you talking about why should i steal a gold necklace i have come for my daughter's wedding Then they showed him a CCTV uh, image on their mobile phone, and when Tajuddin looked at it, he himself said, "Oh my God, this looks like a younger version of myself." Now, as a result of that, the police took him to jail that night, to the kind of huge shock of the family and to Tajuddin. What happens next? What are the events that happen after that? That is the crux of the stolen necklace. Right. and there are some purely visual and uh, cinematic descriptions throughout the book like the way you mentioned there's a muslim wedding a nikah is happening yes. uh, a malabar nikah is happening and then the whole function then coming back uh, home and on the way this policemen they stop this uh, their car and then they start you know inquiring all those things you know there are many other instances like that was this purely created from your imagination or was this a representation of factual events as they occurred or a blend of both Well, uh, to be honest with you, this is what exactly Tajuddin experienced. So, when an event took place, for example, the nikah, I kept asking Tajuddin a lot of questions because I have three decades of experience of interviewing people. So, each scene, for example, I would keep asking, okay, so who, what were you wearing? What was the other person wearing? Uh, who were the people present? Now, what was the sound in that uh, room? What are the conversations between people? For example, uh, that uh, I describe a dinner in their sister his sister's house. So I would I, I would ask, what is the shape of the dining table? How many chairs were there? Who was sitting where? And uh, who? What was the conversation like? What were you talking with each other? So very pinpointed questions. it enabled me to recreate that scene 
but it was purely on the input of Tajuddin. There is nothing that I created out of my imagination. At the beginning of the book, you have very clearly mentioned about being a journalist for three decades, but writing a book was a very different experience. And I'm assuming that it is because as a journalist, you're accustomed to writing news articles and features, which are rather shorter forms of writing as compared to a full-fledged novel. Not a novel, but a non-fiction book. How did you find the transition from journalistic writing to writing a book? It was uh, extremely difficult because each time I got down to write, I would end up writing 800 words. Uh, You know, that was the habit. Now, you have to understand that I have been doing this for three decades. So my brain uh, was totally tuned to this. So I had to unlearn this. Now, it's very difficult to unlearn something you have been doing for so many years. So what I did was I went on a a tutorial. I went to YouTube. I began to watch a lot of videos. I bought a lot of quite a few books on writing, how to write nonfiction, how to create a scene. So there was a whole process of relearning or new learning. I had to do new learning to really understand that in journalism, it is always I have to cramp it. And in uh, book writing, I have to expand. All the time, I have to expand. Now, that habit, it took me quite a, some time to figure out that I don't need to rush through. My initial draft, I was rushing through scenes. And even uh, the re- uh, reader would barely be able to know what was happening. So, it took me quite a bit of uh, practice to slow it down, to expand the scene, to show different angles of it. And so I would uh, say that it was not not at all an easy task for me. I think I can relate with you on that part because, you know, you cannot rush a manuscript. You cannot do that. Even if you have a deadline, like six months later, within six months or by the end of uh, six months, you have to submit a manuscript. You can you cannot still rush your manuscript. You have to give it the the total, the complete time that it deserves. And especially when it comes to nonfiction. Fiction is still you can, you know, yes. play with the rules and bend your right. bend the rules of your world because that's the world that you are creating. But in nonfiction, you are limited yeah. because you have to restrict yourself to to the reality, yes. to the facts that happen. And being a journalist, and I think you know, you are going to be a sucker for facts. You know, you have to report facts and not dramatize or yes, you know, yes, uh, sensationalize yeah. facts, you know, so that something sells. So I think I can agree with you. And what all books did you refer to? Our listeners would love to know, especially those who are, you know, uh, starting to, you know, to write a nonfiction book or plan to write a nonfiction book. What are the books that you went through? Would you be able to share a couple of names? Well, one of of the books uh, which I found was very interesting is this called, a book called Show, Don't Tell. Show, don't right, tell. Right. This, this book is by a lady called Janice Hardy. But isn't that for screenplay writing? No, no. It's also for book writing. In book writing, uh, what she says is that you need to trigger scenes in the writer's head. In order to trigger scenes, you have to show the scene in such a way that the reader can see the scene. If you tell, for example, I'll give you a simple example. Uh, she got angry and uh, walked out of the door. Uh, that is a tell. Now, in show, she banged the door shut and strode away. 
So the thing is that when somebody bang the door shut, then you can visualize how you. That's anger. Uh, so yeah. show don't tell is a very important concept in uh, writing, and uh, this is very been a very deep concept in um, Western writing. There, the, this concept has been deeply acknowledged, and it is always being taught in uh, you know writing classes. Show don't tell. I came across this when I watched these YouTube videos, and they would refer to this book by Janice Hardy. So this is a book which is worth uh, uh, buying. Also, another book which is worth buying. This there are many books on the net which develop character. How to develop a character? More important than scenes and more important like descriptions is the character. The reader has to. Sort of have an empathy or understanding of the character. So character development, according to me, is the most important. Can you develop a person who the reader can say, "Oh, I think I know this type of person," and then follow his adventures? So character development, you can definitely. There are many many books. I particularly didn't don't remember any particular book like that. As a but uh, on the net, you will find many books which talk about character development. So, incidentally, one of the episodes on our podcast is about character development. So, we will be uploading it very soon. And speaking of characters, can you please introduce us to the protagonist of our book, Tajuddin? V.K. Tajuddin is a middle-aged uh, man from Kanur. He went to Doha. he had a successful business uh, of uh, you know car rentals he was doing very well over there in, with car rentals he is any ordinary middle class person whom you will see on the street uh, he had an ordinary life he looked his aim was to look after his family he has uh, two sons and a daughter so one of his major aims was fulfilled when he got right. his daughter married off he uh, he had plans to buy a house simple middle class concerns which all of us have so the thing with uh, viket ajuddin is if this event had not taken place he would we would not have even heard of him you know correct that this uh, when but this event received a lot of coverage in north kerala especially because it was so stunning and many people could relate to it because they were from the middle class as we know the media is all from the middle class right. so the media picked it up because they felt oh my god this could have happened to me that is how this story became so big the vk tajuddin story otherwise he is a very ordinary guy very high spirited when he is in a good mood he is a tremendously high spirited guy he's got a sense of humor he smiles easily Uh, he's easy to get along with. He's got a natural, down-to-earth uh, manner of talking. So everything about him is attractive in that sense. If you are to look at the type of person Tajuddin is, but today, nowadays, however, when I call him from the hello only, I'll know what sort of a mood he is in. Because nowadays he goes into a, 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 a sort of a depressed mood. Maybe he's remembering what happened. He is having uh, financial uh, difficulties because uh, it it became a, such a big blow to his life. Then he has to pick up uh, the pieces of his life. So it's not been easy for Tajuddin. So he is going 
through an up and down uh, moods nowadays but when he is in a good mood he is a really nice guy to have a conversation and to spend time with him yeah that's what i also picked up from the book you know he's got he's had a lot of adventures in his past and you know he's always one thing about him is despite being inside a prison with terrible terrible inmates he was still maintaining his uh, how do how do you say it the sense of righteousness he's always he stood his ground and he never changed himself you know although he was you know co- coping well with the inmates all of them criminals most of them criminals and i i think that's that's inspiring as a character that's the kind of things you uh, look for in every every person and uh, and uh, i recently finished two non fiction titles and uh, and i'll be writing another one next year and during my research when i meet people because none of my books are based on people but uh they are mostly based on certain beliefs and uh, you know uh, cultural things that people follow so i interview a lot of people for the books so and i have got a very bad short term memory so i always record everything that uh, you know that i uh, speak it could either be on a camera or it could be on my phone but i make sure that i record everything and then i hear it again and again you know when i have to write it and then i may even frame questions based on that so i just wanted to know in your research process did you record all the information and conversations and then sit down to write or was it just listening to tajuddin uh, because in your book i remember reading that the family had documented the chronology of events in a word file did you access uh, access that file uh, our li- listeners would also definitely like to hear about your research process the approach to the research process okay so the thing is just like you i have recorded every conversation right through my career i cannot uh, recall exactly like you so every conversation with tajuddin was recorded every conversation was recorded and i would transcribe it uh, onto the laptop and then i would uh, work my way through the copy i would write the copy now regarding the chronology the most remarkable thing was tajuddin knew this chronology so thoroughly that i didn't need to take the help of that uh, word file he knew this event was so devastating to him he knew every minute of the event so he w- told me that this is what happened at this moment on this date at this time he was giving me precise times like at 12 13 i was there because he remembered it in case he has to tell this to anybody like a, say a police officer he could tell it with a precision you know the precision was remarkable so everything what he uh, said was precise he knew exactly what happened on this day what happened on the next day the timing when it took place why it took place so that way i really did not have to do much research in that sense because tajuddin's um, uh, recall was perfect i didn't even have to ask his family also he told me it, it exactly how it happened so in that way i was very lucky that he was a very good recounter he was able to recount events with a precision which made my job very easy after that and how much of your experience as a journalist helped because i'm sure you know you would have you know dug deeper into his uh, minds to get more detailed answers i mean how much did that help 
Oh, 100% my experience as a journalist helped because I kept digging, digging, digging. And Tajuddin would say, sir, what is the point of this question? Like, for example, I would say, what is the aroma in the room, in the dining room? Yeah. He said, yeah. Uh, yeah. He said, uh, sir, I don't know. I mean, I'm sorry to say, but he used to call me, sir. But uh, he said, I can't recall, but I, he's saying, so I said that, what is the aroma of biryani? Since biryani is on the table. Then he would try to remember. So I, I kept uh, asking question after question after question. I, in one scene, I, I asked numerous questions. And some of it, he would say, what is the relevance of it? He must have thought in his mind, but he never articulated it after a while because he got used to my questioning. So when I kept asking this question, I began to get a picture, a clarity in my mind of what happened in this scene. So that was how I was able to get a, a sort of a, a, a precise uh, experience of that scene, even though I was not there. So I think uh, throughout your book, it's not just showing and telling. You know, you know, you know when, when it comes to screenwriting, don't, uh, show, don't tell is our uh, motto. So our aim is always to show the audience because, you know, it's, you're not writing a book where you can... Uh, describe a scene as in what is going inside the mind of a character you have to show it right mm, yes but one more thing yes. that you have shown is the uh, is a smell i mean it's not just one place you just mentioned about smell of a biryani but there are a lot of other smells that are mentioned in the book right from the smell inside a uh, inside lock a lockup inside some other places so yeah i think that's something which i have not seen much in other books at least not in the books that I've read. Yes, uh, uh, that's uh, because I kept asking Tajuddin when he was sitting in that lockup on that first night, I said that, can you tell me the smell? Because I was expecting uh, the smell of urine because there's a, a, a sort of a, a toilet at one side. So I was expecting the smell of urine, but right. he told me some interesting smells because it was raining. So when rain falls, the mud gives off a aroma. Then the, the, there was a rust, the rust of the rods. So he was, he also found the smell very unusual. Right. That apart from the urine smell, there was this smell, then there was a mattress smell. So when I asked this question, he got into his own mind to figure out what exactly was the uh, smell or aroma. So he gave an interesting answer that I was able to put in, uh, uh, put it into the uh, story. Na? Only because of he remembering it that I was I was able to do it. Right. And it actually translated. It gave a. I mean, it's not only giving you a visual, but you are. It's actually putting you in that place and giving you that smell as well. You know, and some of the smells were really bad. <laughs> Uh, very disgusting. I'm not going to mention those. Uh, but uh, but nevertheless, I mean, that's something which you don't usually see. Yeah. Um, and uh, speaking of the jail, how, did you uh, talk to the police officer or was it just Tajuddin? Or no, no. I, Tajuddin gave me phone numbers of people who would be able to talk about it. They, there was one guy who was doing an unofficial investigation. Once this uh, furor hit the uh, media, the police, the senior police um, management told one person to an unofficial investigation. This guy talked to me at length about the entire procedure. 
So I, that was very helpful for me because he was telling it to me from the law enforcement side, what they did, what they saw, what they concluded. So uh, that uh, person really helped me. And then I spoke to another police officer. So two of them have helped me because Tajuddin gave me their numbers and said, these guys know about the case from law enforcement side. Right. And uh, one more thing that I wanted to ask uh, was when you're writing something of uh, this magnitude where there's police involved, law enforcement involved, the polit- I mean, political parties involved, what are the cares that you should take as a writer? Because at the end of the day, in the beginning, it's mentioned, you know, whatever is written is the viewpoint of the writer. Uh, if you just open the book on the second page, you know, where the copyright is right. mentioned, that's the that's the disclosure for a non-fiction book. So what, so those yeah. who are trying to write non-fiction right. in future, what, what is the advice that you would give, it, give them? What are the uh, precautions you should take when you're reporting, you know, because there's basically a kind of reporting, you're reporting something, but in a very longer format. Yes, so the most important point is don't take sides. Most important point. Don't take sides of of anybody. Just report it as you saw it. So there will be two contradictory opinions. So one person will say something against the other person. So what you do, you write that exactly how he said it. And the other person will say something against this person. You write that also. Let the reader read and come to his own conclusions. You have to be a neutral third party in this. You cannot um, write it in a way that is showing your biases. You have to be extremely careful. You know, maybe you don't agree with his viewpoints. Maybe in your heart you feel that, no, I don't agree with this. But you cannot allow that to come into the writing. This person has the right to say what he thinks is a, of, about a particular situation. Just as you have a right, right. and I have a right. So there is, it is uh, uh, unethical writing when you give a bias to it. So in all the incidents in this book, I have not taken any stance. I have not taken any stance. Whatever the police officer said, I wrote that. Whatever Tajuddin said, I wrote that. I am not taking a stance. I am putting it in a way that the reader can read and think to himself, oh, I don't think this is the right thing he is saying. Oh, I don't think uh, what Tajuddin said was correct. Let them conclude. But as a writer, I will never ever take anybody's side. That is the way to write nonfiction. But what if... uh Whatever you're being told is already biased. I'm not talking about this story. I'm talking about as a journalist or maybe in future when you're writing something and whatever versions you get, whatever versions is present, it's all biased because it can happen. It can happen, right? Yes, but even I agree on that. But even then, you have to put his bias. The bias has to come. He is a biased person. You cannot write something that shows that he is not biased. If he is biased, you have to put it. This is how he thinks. Now it is up to the reader to think that I don't agree with this. I think he's uh, whatever. He's a racist or he's a fundamentalist or whatever. But the writer cannot make that conclusion. If you are going to present an honest viewpoint of somebody, you have to present it the way he has said it. Now that is his freedom. 
and we have to right. we have right. to agree to that that he has the right to say what he thinks is his opinion i cannot go uh, change it in such a way and say that uh, this you know that um, this is not right i cannot be a judge in this i have to say it exactly the way he said it and that is the way to respect him also na right and uh, that's a true journalist speaking and look at the kind of journalism that's you know making waves these days i am not going to comment because like you said i am only going to report so yes i am very i i agree with you i am very sorry to say a lot of bias writing and reporting is taking place uh, i hope uh, this is a trend which will change in future you know trends keep changing right uh, how, when situation changes in uh, the country trends will also change and i hope the real dispassionate ethical journalism will come back today i'm sure it will come back i have no uh, reason to doubt it these are cycles these are cycles in society now we are in this cycle then the cycle will change you know like that like there was a time when uh, romantic musicals were the rage then that changed then it became gritty realism then that changed so things will change we have to be optimistic and positive about it right let's hope so um so one of the shocking things that i learned from the book was when so there's this uh, scene where the family comes to meet tajuddin uh, when he when he was in prison and they wouldn't uh, bring any food it was not allowed it was not passed by the police uh, i was very shocked because the reason the, for the reason behind this so can you tell me the reason why food is not allowed inside a prison and you know uh, have there been incidents uh, because of which this rule has come come into being yes 100% there have been incidents when food food used to be allowed earlier <coughs> and uh, people use that uh, uh, loophole to poison somebody in prison so you have to understand that maybe there's um, gang wars are going on right Right. So one uh, guy, a gang uh, member, is uh, jailed. Then somebody, one lady, will come and give. Uh, he is my uh, relative, and say, "Please give it to him." So when they gave it to him, he was poisoned and he died. Right. So that is why this rule has been so strict, and they never allow it because of past experiences of the police. right if you if it's a witness a key witness and the whole case is hanging on this person's uh, testimony and that person is you know yeah right i understand exactly exactly so and another thing is you know because when i was reading the book uh, so some of the most interesting chapters in the book were in the middle you know when uh, tajuddin is spending his time in the jail and he is reminiscing about his past so the vivid details of life inside a kerala prison those were very striking uh, and you have delved into the back stories of uh, of various characters you know the like the inmates the prison inspector the inspectors in the, in the in the police station as well as the at the uh, at the prison and then there are stories of the people tajuddin met during his lifetime you know in bombay and all those people all these characters and incidents you know they appear like uh, like a flashback in the middle portion of the book uh, 
and uh, do you think it's essential to include such back stories you know uh, at least sparingly in a non fiction narrative which is driven by a main single main character so as not to distract the reader from the main story yes uh, hari there's two responses to this one response was the reader said that they needed this relaxation because it was such a tense story they were happy to go into this old uh, memories and because they know that something bad is happening to tajuddin so it was a diversion for them they could relax and enjoy his uh, mumbai sojourn they could relax and enjoy his uh, love story which is a very remarkable love story uh, of uh, tajuddin so that is one uh, way to look at it the other way is as you said is it um, is it taking away from the main narrative so i felt that unless i gave a bit of a back story of tajuddin you would not know who tajuddin is yeah you will just know that uh, this is the guy who was accused of uh, stealing a necklace because he, uh, it was a doppelganger case and that's it so they you will go through the entire book and not know who tajuddin is tajuddin is a extremely colorful character yeah he is a, he is a remarkably colorful character and the and these things i stumbled upon because when he said that as you we are talking he said sir i remember i had gone to bombay so then i got interested i said okay you went to bombay because unusually very rarely you know malayali is uh, go to bombay yes but uh, usually they stay there rarely do they come back but tajuddin came back so i said that okay then what happened then he began recounting see, uh, scenes in bombay then that was interesting i myself have worked 3 years in bombay so i could also understand what exactly he was trying to say there's a under uh, late midnight uh, a peace meeting between two underworld bosses so that i thought was extremely interesting and tajuddin was able to witness that the fact that he worked in a, a, a very top restaurant and he gave food to farooq sheikh mm, who was yeah. a, a top bollywood actor yeah. so these were interesting scenes i felt okay uh, it is giving a picture of tajuddin also we know we need to know who tajuddin is what was his family background who was parents who was sisters what was his upbringing like right so although as you rightly said that if i were to uh, avoid it maybe i would the book would have raced through i also felt that readers needed to know who tajuddin was that is one of the reasons why these chapters were put in and honestly uh, those are definitely more uh, my favorite I, i would say those those few chapters i still remember them and not only were they giving me a relaxation but it, it was also showing me how, what kind of a man tajuddin was and yes, how yes, much yes. he has gone through in his life and eventually when he has come to this point in in present where he is going through a big challenge i mean i think it's very rightly and that's why i said it's been sparingly used it's not like overused yes it's there it's giving the relaxation like the love story was honestly it was like watching a film <laughs> uh, and uh, and even the beginning part na which is your very thrilling kind of a, a portion of the story even that looks like a contemporary thriller malayalam film to be honest mm. 
I could uh, recollect some movies that I had watched recently, and those movies also begin very on a very uh, similar tone. Mm. So I think uh, the book has a very good chance of becoming a movie. Touchwood. Touchwood. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, if it the, becomes a movie, who? If it becomes a movie, I think uh, I would plump for Fahad Fasil acting as. Tadu. So that's a Malayalam movie then. Yes. Yeah. If it is a Malayalam. Or a Tamil movie. movie. Yeah, if it's a Malayalam. Yeah, movie. and uh, but for what's your huh? Tajuddin's wife? I thought uh, I think Alia Bhatt would play it beautifully. If if it were a Hindi okay. movie, even Fahad can play a Hindi movie, na he can easily do yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Now, so with OTT, you've yeah. got uh, movies are crossing over. Yes, so I feel these two people can really make this. Uh, and if um, Fahad really gets a grip on this character, he'll make it memorable because he is now at that level, na his uh, acting is at that level. Right. We all want Fahad to be part of. <laughs> At least one of our projects, to be honest. Yeah, true. <laughs> I'm okay if it's Malayalam, Tamil, Hindi. I'm okay with all these languages yeah, as he, long as I can speak. No, no, he's a he's a super actor, and he's only getting yeah. better. He's only getting better, and I hope he right. keeps taking challenging roles so that he keeps pushing himself. So, what were some of the unique experiences or insights that you gained during your research of for the book or while writing the book? One of the things I understood was the North Kerala Muslim culture. And this is one thing I began. I, I understood quite deeply. I had never any access to that culture. Oh right. Uh, first of all, I was right. uh, born and brought up in Calcutta, so I'm even more far away from the uh, the North Kerala Muslim culture. While talking to Tajuddin, I began to get a picture of what it's like. and i'm uh, happy to say that one reader who acknowledged that uh, he had a deep muslim bias anti muslim bias who when he read the book said that i i i no longer have the bias because i realize that they are just human like you and me so i'm very happy about one aspect of this book that it is humanizing a community which is under great pressure nowadays Uh, which is being othered uh, by a lot of people they are just human like you and me and we should understand that and i think the book brings out the humanity of this people and that is what i also also learned that the humanity of the story na that everybody every family irrespective of what religion what community what caste will go through this a dalit kid will go through the same experience a brahmin will go through the same experience so i am happy that this book is created one sensitivity about the suffering of people and next time when they read something in the newspaper of somebody being arrested and they will probably be able to visualize oh my god these are the things If which i may ask one them. question You just mentioned this could happen to anyone. It could be a Dalit, it could be a Brahmin, it yes. could be a Christian. Uh, do you think the response would have been same? And also, if it happened in a different place, for example, Kerala, the uh, social fabric is very different from the rest of India. Uh, so, if it was hap, so if in if it's in Kerala, I mean, I can understand uh, the situation. But if, say if it's happening in a UP or an MP or maybe a, a Haryana, what would it have been if it was from another community, not 
uh, not the particular community that we have mentioned here what would have been the response like do you think this person would have well i, I can just uh, i can just imagine what it would have been you know uh, the fact of the matter is uh if you are poor and if you don't if you belong to the wrong community you are going to go through an enormous suffering without any relief kerala has a very powerful civil society thank god for that we have a very powerful civil society and that has come up because of a high literacy and uh, kerala is in the forefront of creating at least a surface equality between people between different castes and creeds and people i was working in a newspaper i in a company in kochi and you know every day there was a canteen over there every day from 12:30 to 1 the first people who access the canteen are the class 4 employees mm. uh, the sweepers the cleaners they were the ones who access the canteen if i felt hungry and i didn't want to wait till 1 i could go in and but i would eat with them and what is a, such a big issue about it what is wrong with it why we made this caste uh, such a huge stumbling block that is not able to unlock the talents of our people na? so many brilliant talents are there in the so called lower caste it's not being unlocked for the benefit of the country because he belongs to this caste or he belongs to that caste so this uh, this way kerala is in the forefront of creating surface equality i don't say inside people may still have the biases but at least in the surface we are able to talk to each other with respect and able to uh, allow access to people to every place na there is nobody who will uh, discriminate against you wherever you go so that is a, one of the great aspects of living in kerala today so one thing that i wanted to ask since you have written non fiction and uh, there are a lot of uh, aspiring writers who would want to write non fiction based on the story of real people how do you approach you know uh, these people and how do you if you uh, if there's someone who's a very critical character in your non fiction setup and that person is not willing to open up then how do you go about i mean do you pursue that person to open up and even if that person agrees do you need that person's written permission you know when you're writing a book because it's non fiction it's not fiction yes uh, so um, if the person finally agrees to talk to you so then what you would tell him and what you should do is that you should say that after i write your section i will play it back to you you read it and see if everything is fine with it and then if everything is fine you send back and give me the say uh, stay, uh, send me back by mail saying that everything is fine so that i have it on record and uh, then you ask the next question is are you okay with me using your actual name or do you want me to put a pseudonym and there whatever he answers if he says that no it is better to change, uh, put a pseudonym you put a pseudonym so this is how i worked on the story where whoever wanted the whoever i interviewed and who is in the book i would play it back to him he had the uh, he had the freedom to say this part please take out i don't feel comfortable when i read it i definitely i said it but when i read it i don't feel comfortable 
can you take it out so i'll take it out because naturally i need his permissions so this is how i worked for the non fiction characters in my book so uh, so there are people who so this has all got to be in an email right so that the record is needed. exactly and also you have to have a recording of it to safeguard yourself recording of it correct so absolutely so, so uh, and if that's exactly my uh, question one more thing if i can just add over here you should have a digital recorder which you can um, put it into your laptop so that you can save the file and put it in a you know right. a pen drive or whatever it is and so that it is there right later in case right. later he says that look no i i didn't speak it you have the uh proof of it and you also tell that person that i'm recording this conversation so then he will not um, turn back and say that i didn't say this you understand right right absolutely and i think these days mobile phones do the work uh, i use my uh, for voice recorder on the phone and then i do the same thing save it to the uh, save it on the cloud or on the computer and right use, right right send right. it again and again i think now let's talk about the book how has been the response to the book because i i remember recently we shared a picture on facebook where you know this was the most gifted uh, book in the law and order category yes yes in law what was your reaction to that well uh, how did it feel naturally uh, within uh, days the book became number one in criminology i mean within 2 3 days uh, it became okay. i know criminology is not a very popular a uh, segment yeah uh, in books but whatever it is i'm number one now that's great for my book yeah and whatever it is and i'm also number one in most gifted in law so many uh, people who like lawyers or something <laughs> gifting this book to people you know so i'm very happy about that and uh, touch wood everybody has loved the book they like the book a lot and i am very happy about it the media in the media also the reviews have been very positive it's a tremendous blessing for me because you know i put in a huge amount of effort to write a, a good right, book right, right. so so far it has been a very good experience touch wood touch wood but don't you think that uh, putting this in that shell of a crime uh, true crime or uh, non fiction crime or the law and order uh, mold don't you think you are like you mentioned about the actors you are restricting it because when i read it i also went with that mindset that this is a uh, non fiction based on a true crime incident but like i ventured into those middle portions those chapters about tajuddin's past suddenly it became the journey of a man and which anybody who reads this book can connect with so just because it's being uh, you know uh, it's being portrayed as a crime uh, book or crime non fiction i think we are losing out on a lot of readers who would have otherwise picked it up i feel that that's my personal opinion because when you are reading that part that middle part i i i mean i am hooked on a different level in the beginning obviously when you look look at the cover and uh, the blurb and everything you think this is a crime the story about crime that happened but then it becomes it transforms into a story of a man you know is who's it it metamorphoses into the story of a man who's stuck in a kafkaesque nightmare will you agree with that well um, hari the one of the things uh, uh, i don't know whether you know but uh, in journalism 
uh, one of the items which everybody reads in the newspaper is crime. This is a crime is always read. People will read an incident about a murder. And um, I remember in Times of India, they would do graphics also. So I myself, when uh, I would see this uh, graphic, I would spend my time watch, uh, seeing it, you know, then what happened, then what happened, then what happened. I feel crime is a, is got an allure which is like uh, nobody can resist it. Uh, that crime, um, uh, reading about a crime. So maybe uh, in terms of marketing, maybe uh, marketing it as a crime book, maybe the correct uh, uh, method, you know, because crime is uh, throughout uh, the publishing, the history of publishing, crime has always done well, crime, crime books. Right. Right. So that that is maybe, uh, you know, one reason why, and it is a crime. The fact of the matter is it is a crime which took place. So therefore it was uh, positioned that way. And what impact do you hope your book will have on its readers and what do you want them to take away from it? I want them to understand the humanity of the characters that when such an incident takes place, what happens to people and next time when they come across something like this in the newspaper, they can empathize, they can understand that what must be going through with that family, you know, somebody has been arrested, whether he is innocent or guilty, let us leave that apart. What is going to go to happen to that family, to him, his standing in society, his reputation, his name? How will the children, when they go to school, face their classmates? What will the classmates tell them? If he was arrested as a thief, will they call him as what happened to Tajuddin's uh, younger son, who was seven years old? Right. They called him right. a, a son of a thief. Thief son. Yeah, so that is like, a, I hope... A re readers uh, will understand that it is a is a trauma which people go through you know all sorts of different aspects are there it's not uh, something you just read in the paper and you forget but after reading my book you i hope they will understand that what all is going to happen the income is going to go down how are they going to manage to pay their daily expenses who's how will they pay their telephone bill the electricity bill the rent the school fees the food bills, so many things we have to pay for, the water bill, the petrol bill. So how are they going to pay when the main bread earner is languishing behind prison and the judiciary is slow moving, it takes a lot of time. So all this, I think, I hope people will read the stolen necklace and get an idea of what, this, what happens to a family. I hope they do, because uh, I think... See, society has this uh, issue, let alone, I mean, a police coming and even if a police comes at the doorstep and then returns, they must have come for some other inquiry. But the moment a neighbor sees this, they are definitely going to make a huge uh, ruckus about it, you know. Conclusion. Yeah, conclusion. Conclusion. That yeah. Conclusion that this guy has some, yeah, done something yeah. wrong. And that's what's happening yeah, in the society yeah. these days. Everywhere that's, and that's exactly what the news yeah. people are also, uh, you know, using these days to trigger certain emotions about, about certain communities and everything. Exactly. Exactly. I hope through this book, at least a little bit of that mindset changes through those readers who are going to read this, this book. I hope the next book happens soon. And this book, let it be 
let it become a best seller thank you and which is it's already on that path so it surely it's going to be a best seller and uh, all the media outlets are also covering it pretty well and yeah and i would request all those listeners uh, who are here who are tuned in please get your copy of the stolen necklace from a bookshop or online retailer i prefer bookshops first but then yeah if you don't find it there then that's a different thing because sometimes you know either you know whenever i go to the bookshops to check if my books are there you know i either not find it and then the bookstore wala will tell me you know either the book ran out or they're not stocking oh, it oh yeah so oh my god if it's an older book yeah, then it's yeah, like yeah, they're not yeah, stocking yeah. it if it's a newer book it's a run, run out of this thing because people have it's sold out <laughs> yeah so good. i hope your book so sells yeah, out on all the bookshelves so, so in that case go to amazon yes. and uh, the listeners should purchase it so uh, that's it and thank you so much for giving uh, your time and sharing your experience and enlightening all of us here on the story vault thank you thank so you hari for having me i enjoyed it because you are a writer yourself so we have we still have and we are having a, a mental connection because we both are in the same um, journey you are of course far advanced with seven books but i wish you all the best and i thank you once again thank you so much having me and we also have the kerala connection yeah so. two mallus <laughs> if it wasn't for the language barrier we would have been speaking in malayalam yeah. so anyway thank you very much hari thank you so much to all the listeners who have tuned in to this episode of the story vault i hope you learned something out of this episode how to write true crime non fiction if you have any queries any doubts for mr shevlin you can always contact him online or you can drop your queries on my social media handle at the rate the hari kumar i'm available on twitter instagram and threads and if you like this episode do share this podcast with your friends and also don't forget to subscribe to the story vault on epilog media